in your Bibles this evening. I know it's been a busy week and a busy weekend for many of our people, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to keep this fairly brief tonight, uh, but such an, important, such an important message. So a lot of homiletic classes will tell you that you, uh, you know, they almost act like this is in the Bible, that you have to do, you have to do a three-point outline. That's what you have to do in homiletics. And you always make the first point the shortest. You never make the first point the longest. If you make the first point the longest, people get worried that all the points are going to be that long. And uh, as you know, from being here a little while, I never follow those rules. And, uh, and I'm not going to follow those rules tonight. But I'm just going to give you two points tonight. Just going to give you two thoughts. And I'm going to be honest with you. When we get to that last thought, we're done. And uh, we're just really, more than anything, we're going to give you one thought tonight. And you're going to be on your way but what an important thought it is. And so I sure hope that you will hear us out tonight. I, I'm going to be honest with you. When God began to deal with my heart about this message, I thought this was going to be the message that I would bring to the Multiply Conference. We knew we were going to have a lot of preachers here and, uh, you know, leaders. And, and so I really thought this is it. This is the message God's going to have me to preach to Multiply. Um, and it wasn't. And, uh, and God, God knows what he's doing. Uh, but I want to talk to you tonight about this subject. Is Jesus at home in your house? And I want you to think about that a little bit. Is Jesus at home in your house? Matthew chapter 24, when you find your places, if you're able to stand, let's stand tonight out of respect for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read the first six verses, and then I'll uh, teach, preach just for a few minutes tonight, and I hope that it will be a, hope it'll be a help to you. Matthew 24, verse 1, and I want you to, church, I want you to notice the first four words because that's really the message. First four words. In fact, why don't we read the first four words together? Ready? And Jesus went out. That's sad. That's, that's scary. Those are scary words. And Jesus went out. I'm going to be honest with you. The next five are about as scary. In fact, let's read the next five together. Ready? And departed from the temple. That's really the message tonight. The Bible says Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, see ye not all these things. Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that, that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And so we've been in a series since July on a prophecy, biblical prophecy, and we've used Matthew 24 a number of times, I believe. But boy, I, I'm going to tell you, I had never really noticed this before, before now. And this is really not a prophetic message that I'm going to bring to you tonight. It's just a challenge. Really, it's a challenge to the church, a challenge to us in our homes. And, and so let me, uh, you may be seated. 
And I want to talk to you just a few minutes on that subject. Is Jesus at home in your house? You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the privilege to be back at Calvary Baptist Church again tonight. God, what a wonderful day we've had. Great service this morning. There was an incredible spirit here, a spirit of electricity and unity. And God, we're so thankful for ministering to us. Thank you for ministering to us. And thank you for the girls' home and what's being done there at Mountain of Mercy. And and uh, just so many things we could praise you for today uh, and thank you for today. You're so good to us. God, I pray that you would, <clears throat> would prepare our hearts now, open our minds, give us understanding, and I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would uh, learn a great, great, I really believe this is a great truth, and I, I believe it will help us tonight. Bless concerning the live stream, you know the issues there. And Father, we pray that you'll be pleased and honored through all that's done. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Here in Matthew chapter 24, we find the Lord Jesus is, uh, is in the temple or has been in the temple. Maybe I should say it like that. And if you go back and study this out, Christ has been in the temple probably for at least a couple days, and he's been teaching He's been answering questions. He's been tempted. They've been, uh, you know, when I say tempted, I mean they've been trying to tempt him to say things that they could accuse him of. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, we find the Lord Jesus cleansing the temple. Uh, and we notice here in Matthew chapter 24 that Christ's disciples come to him and, and they want to discuss the splendor of the temple. And that's why I put that picture up there. That's not the actual temple, of course. That's just a model of what the temple may have looked like. And so they come to him and they want to discuss, oh, they want to discuss the splendor. I mean, they're just at awe, you know, when they see the temple and they're just at awe and they want to, that's what they want to talk about to the Lord. They want to talk about, Lord, look at this. This is amazing. I mean, look at this. But one of the things we notice here in Matthew chapter 24 is that the Lord Jesus Christ is not captivated by the profile of the temple as much as he is the purpose of the temple. And that's important. Christ was not focused on the monstrosity, and it was a monstrosity. He was not focused on the monstrosity of the temple, although it was absolutely amazing. It really was. Let me tell you a little bit about the second temple. They call it the second temple of Herod, and uh, they called it Herod's Masterpiece. Um, and, and it really was. It was an architectural wonder of the world. They said it took 46 years to build. <laughs> For all you uh, builders out there right now, how'd you like, Lee, how'd you like to have a project last 46 years? Uh, 46 years it took to build this. It was a construction that consisted of 11 floors uh, and a, a floor space of one million, one million square feet. More than 15 football fields could fit into the temple. Now again, think about that. And so it's really no wonder that when the disciples came here and they saw this monstrosity, they're just, they're, they're overwhelmed. I mean, they're just, they are, they're blown away. Scholars tell us that that the temple was probably built for a cost of somewhere around $300 million uh, back in that day and time, and which would be just absolutely astronomical today. Uh, and so it was really, really something. But this is where I'm going. The monstrosity, the monstrosity of the temple did not enthuse Jesus, but the ministry of the temple did. 
And by the way, let me just stop real, real quick, and I'm not really preaching on this tonight, but I just want to stop and say something real quick. I hope that Calvary Baptist Church never gets caught up in the monstrosity of the building as much as the, as much as the ministry of the building. Someone says, preacher, if we keep inviting people here, our floors are going to get scratched. You're right about that. You say, preacher, if people keep coming here, these chairs are going to get messed up. You're right about that too. You say, pastor, people come here, man, we're going to have to repaint, and we are going to have to repaint. And, uh, and, and preacher, if people keep coming here, I mean, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to redo things, and, and uh, things are going to get broken, and things are going to get clogged, and things are going to get wore out, and we're going to have to replace hinges, and we're going to have to replace doors, and, and we're going to have to replace air conditioners. And, and you know what, church, you would be right about all of that, but can I remind you tonight that this is not a museum. And may we never get caught up about the monstrosity, but may we be consumed about the ministry that takes place in the monstrosity. And how many churches are there across America and they've got these beautiful, glamorous buildings and they're absolutely, I mean, just absolutely outstanding. And the only problem is they don't want anybody to mess it up. And so they don't want anybody to come in, you know, it's therefore no more. And, and they don't want anybody putting their hands on the walls. Don't want anybody using the restrooms. And I mean, it's just like, you know what? You can come, but don't mess up our building. Church, listen, the reason for this building is so we can preach Jesus Christ and get more and more people into the kingdom. That's what it's all about. And so I love that thought. The monstrosity of the temple did not enthuse the Lord, but the ministry of the temple did enthuse the Lord. Now I want to give you our first point tonight. This is our main point tonight, and we're going to be heading to the house. Number one, I want you to notice tonight the extreme, what I'm calling the extreme exit of the Savior. And this is worth noting, because this was, listen to this, this was Christ's final exit. Now, that's important. This was Christ's final exit from the temple. When he left this time, it was never to return. So I looked that up. I got interested in that. I thought, okay, how many times in Jesus' earthly ministry was he at the temple? And so uh, just studying out just a little bit, it looks like at least what we can prove according to scripture, it looks like the Lord Jesus Christ was more than likely at the temple in his earthly ministry, that is. He was at the temple at least seven times, maybe eight times, but, but he was at the temple uh, seven times. That's not, uh, that, that does not bring into account all the times that he was there pre-ministry. And so, you know what that tells us? That tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ, that the temple had experienced his presence many times. But this is the last time that this temple would ever experience the presence of the Son of God. Look, if you will, Matthew 24, verse one. Uh, the Bible says here, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple. Last time, that was it. That was the last time that he was ever gonna be there. In fact, notice the sad words issued by the Lord Jesus Christ in the preceding chapter. Look, if you will, uh, flip one page back and, and look at Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 38. And look what the Lord says here. Matthew 23, verse 38. Jesus said, behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth till ye shall say, blessed is he that cometh 
in the name of the Lord. Now, church, I just came here, and this is going to be brief tonight, but I just came here to tell you this. It's a sad day when Jesus departs from the house. And that's exactly what we see going on here, Matthew chapter 24. And I get this. I mean, the one who the temple is all about, the one who the temple represents, I mean, everything in the temple had a purpose. Everything in the temple had a representation. And everything in the temple pointed to one thing. It pointed to Christ. It pointed to the Lamb of God. And yet in Matthew chapter 24, the Bible says Jesus went out. And it is the absolute last time he's ever going to be in the temple. And I thought about that. You know what, church, you know what I believe? That explains two things. That explains what's wrong today with the house of God. That explains what's wrong with the house of God. It's why our churches are so dead. It's why our preaching is dead. It's why our singing is dead. It's why our joy is dead. It's why our music is dead. It's why our spirit is dead. It's why our youth groups are dead. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because somewhere along the line, Jesus Christ went out. He exited the temple. He exited the church. And friend, we are in sad shape today. Not because we don't have churches, but because we have churches that are minus the Lord Jesus Christ. Dead. Dead, dead. One, one lady said it like this. I've never seen my pastor's eyes. When he prays, he closes his. When he preaches, he closes mine. You heard me say this the other day at the multiply conference. Vance Havner said churches often start at 11 o'clock sharp and end at 12 o'clock dull. And I don't have to tell you all that. Y'all know that. And I'm not up here, I, listen, I'm not, not up here to be critical uh, of churches, other churches, and, and you know that. If you've been here any time at all, I don't get up here and preach, uh, uh, criticize preachers and, and criticize churches and things like that, but I will tell you this, brother, we're living in a sad day. Uh, we're living in a sad day, and no wonder so many people are not going to the house of God because when they walk in, they're not welcome. They're not welcome. The churches are not hospitable. Nobody brings them in. Nobody shakes their hand. Nobody speaks to them. The singing is dead if they have singing. The choir is dead if they have a choir. The preaching is dead if they have a preacher. And part of the reason is because somewhere along the line, we started doing church without Jesus. One little boy went home after service. He got down beside his bed and he prayed this, dear God, we had a good time at church today, but I sure wish you'd have been there. And boy, there's a lot of truth to that. Somewhere along the line, we begin to believe that we could sort of do church without Jesus. We know how to do it. We know how to tie our tie. We know how to carry our Bible. We know how to shine our shoes. And I'm not against any of those things. I think all those things are great. But we sort of know how to, we, we know how to carry a note and we know how to play a key and we know how to preach a sermon outline. And, and I mean, you know what? We got church down to a science. I mean, we know how to do it and we can, we, we can do it without even thinking about it, man. We don't, even have to, we don't even have to give it any thought. And we just come in. A lot of churches come in on Sunday morning and Sunday night if they have a Sunday night service or Wednesday night if they have a Wednesday night service and they just sort of go through the motions and it's a form of godliness but denying the power thereof and I just came here to tell us tonight church let me tell you what Calvary Baptist Church needs tonight Calvary needs Jesus that's what we need we need God to be here an old child of God, listen, may we beware lest we ever get to the place and believe that we can do what we do apart from the Lord Jesus Christ I don't know about anybody else I gotta have him I mean, I've got to have the Lord. 
You know what, I'm telling you, you know what scares me literally to death is the thought of getting up in this pulpit and preaching without his help. And I'm sure I've been there a few times in 32 years and that's not a happy place to be. It's a miserable place to be. I'm telling you, preaching without the power of God is worthless. Uh, It doesn't help. It doesn't change anybody. And by the way, singing without the power of God doesn't help. And you may be here tonight and and you say, Pastor, I'm talented. Praise the Lord. You may be here tonight and you say, Preacher, I'm a gifted individual. Praise the Lord. You may be able to play an instrument. You may be able to carry every note. You may be able to hit those high notes or those low notes. And and you say, Pastor, I've been singing for years and I've taken voice lessons and, and I'm very experienced and I'm very gifted. Praise the Lord. But I'm just telling you, your talent's not gonna carry you and your gifts are not gonna carry you and your personality. Come on now, church. Your personality's not gonna carry you. Old Calvary Baptist Church, I want to serve notice on us. Let me tell you what we need for the rest of 2023 and what we need for 2024 is a touch from above. That's what we need. Hey, it's not that we need more preachers. It's not we need more singers. We need the power of God. That's what we need. Now you say, Pastor, why, why, are, you, why are you saying that? Listen to me. Did you know that churches in 2023 are functioning and Jesus is not even there? It's come on, preacher. No, I'm serious. Now, if you believe we're living in that Laodicean age, I want to show you something about that Laodicean church. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Revelation Chapter number three, and look, if you will, at verse number 19. Here's a church, a literal church, not just a symbol, but here's a literal church in a place called Laodicea. And I want you to look at this church. Revelation chapter number three, and I want to turn over there with you. I had some scriptures in my outline, but I think I'm going to read a little bit more. Revelation chapter three, and... uh, Let's see here. Look, if you will, verse, verse 14. Revelation 3, verse 14. Under the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. He says here about this church, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, and I would, he said, Jesus said, I would thou art cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, he said, I will spew thee out of my mouth. I'm not trying to be vulgar tonight, Calvary, but when the Bible talks about spewing, that's talking about vomiting. It's talking about nausea. That's what the Lord is saying. You know what? This church is so lukewarm. Jesus said, it makes me nauseous. I, I can't, I, I, I can't endure this church because they're, they're so lukewarm. He said, it makes me just want to spew them out of my mouth. Verse 17, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods. Man, we're there, church. We got, we, we got churches, and I'm not, I'm not, by the way, I'm not criticizing this. I'm just saying that, that we have churches all across America, multi-million dollar campuses, and there's nothing wrong with that. If God has blessed the church, praise the Lord, and God has blessed this church amazingly, and we thank God and we praise God for that, but I'm telling you, uh, we're, we're rich, that's what he says. 
Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. He said, I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. And then he says this to this church, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. But I want you to notice verse number 20. Jesus is speaking to the church and he says in verse 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. You know what that's saying? You know what that's implying? Jesus is not in the church. Jesus is on the outside of the church. And Jesus is knocking and he says, hey, somebody, anybody, the whole congregation doesn't have to, but anybody, man, if you just open the door, I'll come in. We use this sometimes for a salvation reference, but that's not a salvation verse. Uh, we can use it sort of like that maybe, but this is a verse of the church. And you know what Jesus is saying? Hey, church, you know what? I'm not even there. I'm not even there. You're having church. You're doing your thing, and I'm not even there. Well, listen to me, Calvary Baptist Church. May we never just go through the motions. Sunday school teacher, I love you tonight, but don't you walk in that class in the power of the flesh when you you walk in that Sunday school class, you walk in that Sunday school class saying, oh God, fill me with your spirit, fill me with your power. Hey, when you come to this church and work around this church or run a dust mop or clean up a bathroom or sing in the choir or play an instrument or serve on the hospitality team or, or work in the nursing home or serve over in the public school, listen, don't you ever walk in in your flesh. You walk in saying, oh God, oh God, I gotta have you. Oh God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I gotta have you. God, I God, I gotta have your breath. I gotta have your touch. I gotta have your anointing. I gotta have your presence. The Lord is gone. Now, I told you this first point, it's the longest point we're gonna be done. But I want us to understand something. Calvary, did you know that the Spirit of God can be so rejected that He'll exit? Real fast, take your Bibles and turn over to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 3. The Bible talks about, in 1 Samuel 3, talks about a priest, the religious leader, the spiritual leader. Eli was his name. And Eli and his boys had just got caught up in sin Eli just got familiar. He got older, and he just got familiar with the things of the Lord. His boys were wicked. I mean, they were wicked, wicked young men. And Eli just got to the place where it's just no big deal anymore. One of the things that was supposed to happen in the temple was the, the lamp was always supposed to be kept burning at all times. The priest would come in and they would make sure that there was oil in the lamp and that lamp was to burn constantly 24 hours a day, providing light. That lamp was never to go out. Look what your Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter three and verse three. The Bible says, and air, the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. You know, what, you know what that tells us, church? Somebody just got familiar. Somebody just said, you know what? It's no big deal. 
I mean, you know, I know what they've always done, but it's just not that big a deal. And, and the Bible says they allowed the lamp of God to go out. Now flip over one page and look at 1 Samuel chapter 4. And look at verse 19. You read the scripture in between where we just were, and you'll find out that Eli and his sons have both died. God has killed them. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 19. One of the boy's wife, uh, wife is having a baby, and 1 Samuel 4, 19, and his daughter-in-law finished his wife was with child near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken, that symbol of God had been taken from Israel, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. Verse 21, and she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken and because of her father-in-law and her husband. Verse 22, and she said, the glory is departed from Israel for the ark of God is taken. This is just a short challenge. Hey, Calvary, may we never get to that place where we feel like we can do church without him. We need him. Are y'all with me tonight? We need the touch of God. We need the spirit of God. We can't just walk in here on Sunday morning and say, man, I know how to do it. I know how to do it. No, 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 no. That's what I'm talking about. The Bible says Jesus said he went out and he departed from the temple. I mean, the last time he was gone. And so it explains something. It explains what's wrong with the house of God. But I'll tell you something else. It explains what's wrong with our house from God. It explains what's wrong with the divine house, the church. But it also explains what's wrong with the domestic house, our home. It's why our homes are falling apart. Amen, church. It's why our homes are falling apart. You know why our homes are falling apart? Because Jesus has departed. Jesus has departed. And no wonder he's departed. Because we brought so many things in that are not of God and things that are wicked and, and things that, uh, that have no regard for the Lord. And, and sometimes we show such a disrespect for God and a disrespect for the Lord. And, and sometimes the things that we do in our homes are so grieving to the Spirit of God that I'm afraid the Lord Jesus Christ has departed. He's departed our homes. And church, I just want to let you know there's a definite difference between a home that has God in it and a home that's ungodly. Now we're done. But I want you to turn with me real quick to Luke chapter 19. And when I begin to think about this thing about a, a home that has Jesus in it. How many want a home that has Jesus in it? Yeah, yeah, we do. We should. And isn't it amazing that as you work your way through the word of God, when you, whenever you find a house that has the Lord in it, that house is always very different. There's something about that house that's always very different. And we find that story in Luke chapter 19. Look, if you will, at verse number five. This is the story of Zacchaeus. Luke 19, verse five, the Bible says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, Zacchaeus, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. <laughs> Whoa. 
The Bible says, and he, Zacchaeus, and he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood. Wait a minute now, folks. Understand something. Jesus is now in the house. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him not once, not twice, not threefold, but he said, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation. Come to this house, for as much as he is also a son of Abraham. Wow. Isn't that amazing? When Jesus came in the house, Zacchaeus' life completely changed. And by the way, story after story after story. How many, how many remember the story of Jairus? Jairus had a daughter, and man, he loved that little girl. He loved her like his own life, and she was sick. And the Bible says she passes away. And he comes and gets the Lord, and sure enough, the Lord goes with him. And Jairus has to be a little patient because Jesus is healing people on the way. But isn't it amazing that the Lord Jesus Christ finally makes his way to Jairus' house? And when he does, boy, business picks up. Jairus' daughter is healed. I thought about Peter. Peter had a mother-in-law. She was sick with a fever. Oh, she was sick. The Bible says that Jesus took the time and came to the house. And the Bible says when he touched her, the fever left her. She got up, served, served everybody. What's your point, preacher? When Jesus is there, everything's different. When Jesus is in the church, everything's different. When Jesus is in the house of God, everything's different. When Jesus is in the house from God, everything's different. Man, everything's different. I want to ask you a question. Has Jesus exited your life, your home, your ministry, your thought life, your marriage, your date life, your career? If he has, you know what you'd better do? You better beg him to get back. You better beg him to come back. Years ago, years ago, and Tim and Hannah are sitting over here. And uh, we'd be coming down Indian Hill Road in our van. And uh, I'm not even sure we had the van then, but this was back before seatbelts were so strict. The seatbelt laws were so strict. And, and we'd be coming down Indian Hill Road, and I would say to Hannah, or I'd say to Samuel or one of the boys, I'd say, you want to help Daddy drive? Man, they'd jump across the seat. They'd get in my lap and they'd put one of their little hands here and one of their little hands there. And I'd take my big hand, I'd put my big hand over this hand, my big hand over this hand. And man, we'd be driving down any hill road. And almost without fail, they'd always look over at Miss Tammy and they'd say, Mommy, look at me, I'm driving, I'm driving, you know. And we'd done that a number of times. Coming down the road, hey, you want to help Daddy drive? Yeah. And then they'd jump across the seat and they'd in my lap, little hand here, little hand here. I'd put my big hands over theirs and, and they'd look over at Mama, Mommy, I'm driving, I'm driving. And then one day, I said, hey, honey, you want to help daddy drive? Man, she jumped across that seat. She got up there on my lap. She put one little hand right there, one little hand right there. I got ready to put my big hands over hers, and she looked back at me, and she said, daddy, I want to do it by myself. And so I let her. I still remember we were coming right, right, just right, just barely up the road right here. And, of course, the church was not here. This was all field. And we're coming down the road, and I just took my hands off the wheel. And all of a sudden, that van or that car starts running off the, 
the road and we're hitting gravel and gravel's, you know, gravel's popping up and, and the, 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 the car's starting to say, Daddy, 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 help! And I put my big hands back over her little hands and I got us back up on the road. Preacher, what's going on with churches nowadays? I'll tell you exactly what's going on with churches. Churches have looked back at the Lord and said, I think we can do this by ourselves. We got this. And I can definitely tell you what's going on with America. We've got some politicians and some legislators in Washington, D.C. who've looked up at a holy God and said, you know what? If we need you, we'll call you, but don't, don't come until we call. We think we can do this on our own. And God Almighty has said, Go ahead. And brother, we're hitting gravel and ditches and briars and we're completely off the road now. You know why? Jesus has exited the house. But I want to show you something. We're done. That, that was the message. But I want to show you something before we go. We not only notice the extreme exit of the Savior, but church, look at this. Last of all, we notice an example of the Savior's mercy. One of the things we, well, let me show you. Look at Matthew 24. If you turned away from there, look back at Matthew 24. I don't have anything to go with this, just verses, okay? So there's no, no points underneath this. We're done. But whatever you do, don't miss this because this is good. The Bible says in Matthew 24 in verse number one, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the building of the temple. But look at verse 3. The Bible says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him. You know what that tells me? He didn't go very far. <laughs> he walked out of the temple and he said, That's it. I'll never be back. And he left the temple. But hallelujah, he didn't go very far. You see, he just went just across the valley, of the, the Kidron Valley right there. He went to the Mount of Olives, and that's where the disciples came to talk to him. In fact, I'm sure from right there, they had a very, very good view of the temple. They could see it. He wasn't very far away. Hey, Christian, if you feel like the Lord has exited, I got good news. He's not very far away. And if you'll just tonight, if you'll say, Lord, would you come back? Lord, would you come back into our home? We let some things slip. We let some things come on television. We brought some music in. We had no business bringing in. We're doing some things in our date life we shouldn't be doing. We just got sort of loose. I got loose with my words and just using some words I shouldn't, shouldn't be using, doing some things I shouldn't be doing. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, would you just come back? And would you just get where you were? And here's the great thing. He will. He will. God said it like this. Return unto me. And I'll return unto you. Will you bow your heads with us tonight? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed.